Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. And good morning, man. What an exciting day at the Heights already, huh? We started that uh, Spanish-speaking class back in July, I think, and uh, started translating our service and already seeing a baptism. Isn't that awesome to see this morning happening here at the Heights? I'm sure excited about it. I thought that was awesome. And now we're in December, most wonderful time of year, right? Oh, man. Don't have believers in here. That's what the song says. Well, we've got in a pretty exciting December lined up here uh, at the Heights. As already mentioned, this Friday and Saturday, uh, the Christmas tree. You probably figured that out. The Christmas tree, one performance Friday night, two on Saturday. Uh, It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be fun. You're going to worship. You're going to hear the gospel. Man, you're going to hear people talking about it. Don't miss it. Don't miss what your church is being about this weekend. I hope you'll be here, bring family, bring friends with you. It's going to be a great uh, weekend. We're starting a new sermon series today on Christmas, and then we've got our Christmas Eve services uh, on 2 and 4 on Christmas Eve, streamed on Christmas Day. That's always a great opportunity. And then all of our life groups doing fellowships. What a great opportunity just to gather and have fun and celebrate. I've already been to my first Christmas party. Anybody else? I, yeah, right? I would knock the first one out last night. So uh, all, all's good there. I hope you join me in praying that just like in that manger, just like in Bethlehem, God will visit the heights this December. Man, let's just be praying, whether it's a fellowship or a sermon or a a musical presentation, whatever it might be, may we see God in his glory and each one respond as we should. Amen? Amen. We'll be, we'll be praying for that. And it is, it is Christmas. We're starting that new series today. You know, just saying the word Christmas feels good, doesn't it? Come on now, y'all wake up a little bit. It just, it's a good word. Every word that follows Christmas is a good word. What's your, what's your favorite word that follows Christmas? I love Christmas. Cookies, movies, music, dinner, is that just Christmas dinner, Christmas gifts, Christmas everything, Christmas bonus, big kids gifts, yay for that word, wonderful words follow the word Christmas, Elf on the Shelf is not one of them, just FYI, that's just PSA there for you, um, I've got a word for you that, that needs to follow Christmas, It's not a word we're going to think of. As a matter of fact, I think we could call out words for an hour and we would never call out this word. And even when I say it, it doesn't sound natural. It it doesn't roll off the tongue like Christmas music or Christmas movies. But I assure you that this word is significantly more what Christmas is all about than almost every other word we're going to put after Christmas. And the word I'm thinking of is body, B-O-D-Y, a Christmas body. You, you do realize that is what Christmas is all about. Jesus is getting a human body. And whatever is happening in that, God putting on a human body, whatever mindset was going into that, 
you and I are told to be just like that. So I might not really grasp what all that means, but I'm supposed to be like that. So it seems like I should probably figure out what that means. And that's what we're going to spend the Christmas season doing. I'm going to be working from what I think, my opinion, is the most Christmas of all Christmas passages. And yet the strange thing about this Christmas passage, there's no star, there's no manger, no angels, no shepherds, not even Mary and Joseph are in it. What makes it Christmas then? Well, it's about the trip Jesus took from heaven to earth. It's about the trip he took from the glory of heaven into the womb and then on into the manger. What was going on in what you and I call Christmas Day? What was going on on Christmas Day? Not just the things going on around Jesus, but in Jesus. And again... Whatever was going on, you and I are told to be just like that. We need to get this. And oddly enough, this very thing that I think this is what Christmas is all about addresses so much of what's going on in our world today. We're going to take something right out of a Christmas story and see how it speaks to what is going on in our culture and world today. So let's look at that. Turn with me today to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Not Matthew 1 and 2. Not Luke 1 and 2. But Matthew or Philippians chapter 2. And get that good and marked in your Bible. Because we're going to be turning there uh, all through the Christmas season. Philippians chapter 2. Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians is right before it. Colossians, Thessalonians after it. If you're kind of looking through your app list. Or maybe you're thumbing through the Bible there, that's where to be aiming. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to begin in verse 5. Let's begin. Philippians 2 verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now what, did that, what does that mean? Have the same attitude Jesus had. Have the same attitude Jesus had. The same attitude Jesus had when? Well, I'm glad you asked. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. What is human form? It's our body, right? He was found in a human body. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus is talking and he says, Before Abraham was, I am. That's kind of a big thing to say because Abraham existed roughly 2,000 years before what you and I refer to call Christmas Day. And Jesus said, I existed before that. So right away, folks, what you and I need to know is the manger, Bethlehem, angels, shepherds. That's not the beginning of Jesus, is it? No, as a matter of fact, he goes back even much further than that. Because in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says Jesus was in the beginning with God and Jesus was God. Oh, in eternity past, Jesus is in heaven as the great I am, as the almighty, as the most holy, as the one who created everything. The one who created you. The one who created the human body. And now that God is going to put himself inside 
that body. How does a, the, the, the limitless into the limited. That the infinite into the very finite. What, is, what does that look like? What does that mean? Why, why would he do that? Well, the passage we just read is answering those very questions. And it is profound that we understand the answers to these questions because, let me say it, and I'm going to be very repetitive on this, the answer to all those questions is to be the same attitudes you have. The same attitudes you have at work tomorrow, at school tomorrow. The same attitudes you have when you're frustrated and when you're happy. The same attitude when you're excited about what's ahead or when you're scared of what's ahead. We're to have the same exact attitude that Jesus had. Now, this passage that we're, we need to think a lot on, and when I say think a lot on, I mean like, you ought to be thinking about this passage, well, I don't know, every day. Now, what I'm getting ready to explain in this passage, in a precious few sentences, whole books have been written on. As a matter of fact, here's a way to know when a passage is really, really important, when theologians give it a name. This, this passage actually has a name. It's called the Kenosis Hymn, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. It's from the word canoe. You're not supposed to recognize those words. Those aren't English words. Those are Greek words transliterated with, with English letters. And that word is translated at the beginning of verse 7 when it says Jesus emptied himself. Now, that's a big thing to think about. What does that mean, Jesus emptied himself? I mean, like, did he empty himself of everything that made him God? Did, did, what was, was the godness in him, the, 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 the qualities of deity, the, the, the power of deity, was that like poured out, spilled out, and, and now he's empty, he has none of that? Well, the short answer to that is no. That's a pretty short answer, isn't it? No, that, that's not what it means. Well, if, if that's what the word means, then what does it mean he emptied himself. So this is an interesting word. And this, again, what a lot is written on trying to understand what happened to Jesus, what was going on with Jesus when he took on this body. This word in the Greek language is rarely used in its literal meaning. It's literal meaning. If I was to pick up a jar and pour out the water in it, pour out the sand in it, whatever's in the jar, I pour it out and there it is all over the ground. That's the word canoe. But it's rarely used in that sense. Now, I'm not talking about just the Bible. I'm talking about anywhere in the Greek language. What way it is more often used is more in a figurative way. It's that it's, it veils, it covers up. In some way, it covers the jar so that you think the jar's empty, so that it appears empty. So Jesus did not pour out all that was God in him but rather he allowed to be covered up what showed him to be God. Not as a, not as a baby. Nobody, nobody noticed this with him as a baby. No, not as an adult did we see him as God. Now, he certainly showed he was God, didn't he? Didn't we get glimpses of him being God? I think walking on water would have done it for me. I just said, okay, I'm in. I'll go with that one. 
But he didn't just walk on water, did he? Man, he, he, he walked on water. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Man, there's some friends lowered their, their lame and paralyzed guy down through the roof. And, and there he is. Everybody's waiting on a physical miracle, which Jesus does. But he does the much bigger spiritual miracle first. And he forgives them of all of his sins. You know, that's when you say, okay, I think this guy's God. We see his power over the natural realm. He tells a storm to stop, and it does immediately. We see his power over the supernatural realm. He tells demons what to do, and they do it. So clearly, he is God, but nothing about him you would recognize. That If you're walking down the street and you pass Jesus, you don't take a double take. Was that? Was that, that was no celebrity sighting here. You're never going to recognize him in that way. As a matter of fact, did you know God warned us? God said to be on the lookout. When I send my son, you won't recognize him. Isaiah 53, 12. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. And can you imagine being Jesus? Yeah, I created all of you. You're here because I willed it. You, you, you were shaped and formed by me. And now I'm walking among you and you don't even recognize me. You don't recognize who I am in your life. You don't recognize what I've, I've done. You don't recognize it. You don't acknowledge it. You don't appreciate it. Can you already tell how different that makes him from us? Because he covered up. He covered up. So that we didn't acknowledge or recognize. Think about what you and I are like. And when I say you and I, I'm not saying you personally. But think about us as humanity. Us as humans in America. I demand to be recognized. I demand to be acknowledged. I mean, what what is identity politics all about? I have an identity. It doesn't even matter if it matches any kind of reality. This is what I think and feel. And you are required to acknowledge and respect and even applaud whatever I feel. That's how much we think about ourselves. That's how much we think about how you owe me an appreciation and acknowledgement for who I am. That's our way of thinking. Now, remember, we're being told, don't have, think like Jesus thought. Man, everything that would demand I acknowledge and see him for his, he, he covered that up. Why did he do that? Well, it says there again, so many profound statements here. He did not clutch. He did not grasp. He did not seize the glory of God. In other words, he didn't use the glory that was him as a way to get an advantage over us. As a way to be recognized and acknowledged. Again, how very different from us. I mean, it's just, it's just in us. We're always looking for what gives us an advantage. Every one of us. Some of us are depending on our good looks. Others are maybe depending on money. Maybe somebody in ability. An ability in the office. An ability on the field. Maybe you're depending on your name. Your name has some weight, some worth. And you use your name to push things forward, to move the agenda. Maybe your, maybe your, uh, your relationships. I mean, hey, we enter relationships for what? For what they can do for us. You see how we're looking at almost every aspect of life. What kind of advantage does this give me? And Jesus, who, who maybe more than any being in the universe has the biggest thing that gives him an advantage. And he allowed all that to be covered up. With selfless humility. What was going on in Jesus? Selfless humility. No thought of self. 
No thought of what's rightfully mine. No thought of what I deserve or what you owe me. But out of a desire to obey his father. That was his mindset. That was his attitude when he took on a human body. And he took on that body for one reason. Now, when I say one reason, I actually think Jesus accomplished a number of things in his life in a human body, but there was one thing. It's almost like, okay, there's one reason I'm doing this, but now while I'm there, there'll be some other things that take place too. But he put on, think of this, we're celebrating a baby during this season. What is a baby? It's this soul that now has this human body. He put on that body for one reason, to die. That's why he came, that's it. That's why he, in his selfless humility, he put on this body to die. To die for you. To die on a cross. And we're told to be like that. You know, we we could also say here that Jesus took on a body with the purpose of obeying his father. What's Christmas all about? It's not about a star. It's not about a manger. Christmas isn't about angels rejoicing. Those are all the result of what Christmas was all about. Christmas is all about Jesus obeying his Father, using his body to serve, to glorify, to honor the Father, and in so doing, love you. You know, that is, as I know, I'm being told, okay, I got to be like that. Maybe that's intriguing. Hey, what all does that mean? And what does that mean to me? I don't, is it intriguing or is it terrifying? Think about what we're explaining and then now look at verse five again and hear God saying, I want you to have the same mindset. I want you to have the same attitude. I want you to have the same outlook on life, the same outlook on that relationship, the same outlook on that situation as when Jesus put on a body. You know, this, this body thing is really kind of important. As a matter of fact, when you start understanding the physical realm of, of what Jesus was doing here, I mean, for me, a lot of other verses, I think, hey, wait a minute, is that connected? Does that, do I now see something maybe I didn't see before and I, I need to understand? I think of a passage like Romans chapter 6. Look at this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't, don't let sinful thoughts, don't let sinful urges, don't let sinful... What, well, how do I know what's sinful? God's word. And when I discover something to be sinful, maybe I don't know right away that that thought, that urge, that said it's sinful. But when I hear God speak to it, then now I know. Don't let that be the driver in your life. Don't let your body parts be the driver in your life. No, no, don't do that. Do not present your members. You know what members are? Body parts. Don't don't present your tongue, your ears, your hands, your feet. Yes, even the reproductive organs. Don't present all that to sin as instruments for advancing an unrighteous cause, for advancing an unrighteous agenda. But present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And your members, present your body parts to God as instruments of righteousness. Say, what what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, that's part of what we're going to be looking at in this series. We're going to look at all the body parts. Not in pictures, just in the Bible. 
Don't want to scare anybody. We're not coming back. <laughs> you know, we're going to look at, did you know that the Bible is going to speak multiple times to all the body parts and how, how we give those over to, to serving and, and loving and honoring God. Think about how we think about our bodies. It's to serve me. It's to advance me. I mean, there, would you say that one of the biggest drivers in the American culture is my body? As a matter of fact, let me give you a phrase. My body, my choice. Probably nothing has shaped the elections in America more than that thought, that value for what, four or five decades now? And it's more so today than ever before. It is my body and I will do with it as I want. Did you know God said, "Uh uh-uh. No, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Now, what, what is the application of that truth? Look up there at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The application is you glorify God in your body. Did you know you were told that the purpose of your body, your attitude about your body is to glorify God? You know, I start thinking about, hey, this all goes right back to Christmas, This all goes back to what was happening to Jesus and me being told I'm to have the same attitude about my body as Jesus. Now, so what is is all this going to look like? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I not supposed to be doing? What's my mindset about the body? Well, this is what we're going to be looking at next week. We're going to take a little bit. Don't don't misunderstand this word. We're going to take more of the negative understanding, the negative approach to, uh, to, to this whole idea. Then the following week, we're going to take more of the positive direction. Okay, what am I supposed to be doing with, with all of my body parts? And we're going to try to unwrap all this. But if you think, no, I'm not that interested. I'm not coming back. Well, I think even today all by itself, it becomes pretty clear, right? My body is not for serving me. My body is not for uh, expressing me. My, my body is not for advancing me. My body is not something I do whatever I want with. My body is to serve and to worship, to glorify, to honor God. And we're going to try to unwrap that whole idea during this season. And this is, I, I mean, have you ever heard this for a Christmas message? I haven't. And yet I go back to scripture. I mean, what's Philippians 2? It's all about him putting on that body. It's all about him coming from heaven to earth and what's happening there. And I'm told to think and be like that. And I'm given all of these verses that define and explain all that. Folks, I'd say, hey, Christmas really a central message is what we're doing with the body. Now, I know we could maybe be thinking right now, you know, it's, it's Christmas. It, it, it's, it's, about, it's about cookies and wassail. About movies, music, and you know, it's just, isn't it nice? I think one of the reasons we like Christmas, I think one of the reasons we like the traditions of Christmas is I can step out of the conflict and the tension of life and I can just kind of draw breath and rest a moment in kind of these good memories and this peace and these traditions. We just want a place to go where not everything's different. And I can kind of understand what's going on around me. So, Pastor, go back to Matthew 1 and 2, and let's look at the star and the angels. 
Go back to Luke 1 and 2. Let, let's see the, the wise guys coming and wise men coming and giving Jesus the, the gifts. You know, don't, don't turn this into politics. Not right now. Let's not make this about politics and gender and culture and, and war. I mean, it's a baby, right? The baby. That's the, that's the loving, gentle part of God. Yeah, it is. And I really think God wants you to know and experience the gentle, loving part of God, not just during December, every day of the year, every moment of your life. And there's a path to experiencing Christ, his love, his gentleness, his mercy. It's having the same mind that he has. What does that mean? Well, we're going to spend a month figuring that out. Because this is kind of what Christmas is all about. Let's pray. Father, I come before you today and I, I do ask that you would open up this passage to our heart and mind. Help us to, to see, to understand. And in that seeing and in that understanding, God, help us to apply Lord, I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for what you gave us in the Bible. And I thank you for some of the ways we celebrate it in the culture. It is a place to have fun. It is a place to, to rest. It's a place to reconnect and, and, and enjoy. And, and, I, and I thank you for all that. But Lord, it all goes back in a box and we put it all up. And we're depressed on the 26th. Lord, let us see. Not just what we're supposed to think about Christmas, but how we're to live it. What does it mean to live in the reality that you put on a body and came into this world? Lord, I, I pray for an incredible new understanding and appreciation of that. I pray for each of us. You will give us the help. We can't do it on our own. Give us the help to live Christmas like we've never lived it before. I, I pray that Christmas of 2022 will be profoundly different. And Lord, that's, that's a hard prayer to pray because we are, we are moving into cruise control as we go to the same parties, eat the same food, listen to the same music, do the same thing, open the presents in the same order, put it up on the same day. Oh, Lord, break through all that. May we see your glory and your power. May we see you. And may we each one respond as we should. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen.